0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central.
1: Good evening, everyone. It is Sunday, May the 29th, 2022. It is currently 9.48 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. I know it's Memorial Day weekend, I know it's Sunday evening, almost 10 p.m., so I don't know who will be actually listening to me live at this hour. But whenever you hear this, wherever you hear this, however you may hear this, thank you so much for tuning in. We always appreciate it. And hopefully this will be very informative. This may just scratch the surface to a subject that we may have to dig in in a far more extensive way, we may have to go far deeper at a later broadcast. Now, th- this always happens. I do one broadcast where I kind of just I introduce the subject and then realize, wait, that's going to turn into another series on top of this series, and and yeah, it's it's always we always have too much to talk about. But hopefully, you will um, hopefully you will benefit from this. So here's what I need you to do, though. Right? I need you to listen very close to the audio clip I'm about to play. And I need to give you the context for this audio clip. At about 1 a.m., 2 a.m. this morning, I reached over to my iPad and looked to see what was the newest podcast episodes that had dropped. And I don't even know which podcast app, but I was looking, I just, I just reached over my iPad and go, okay, I want, I want to listen to something else. So I just grabbed uh, one of the podcast apps, basically did a refresh and like, oh, there's a new episode and I hit play and this is what I heard. Now this, 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 this clip that you're getting ready here is about 48 seconds into it to be as accurate as possible. But the first 48, se- 48 seconds, I, to be honest, I don't even really remember the first 48 seconds because I think it's just the basic intro of the program. But it was the next part that I was like, wait, 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 what? Wait, what are they playing? Wait, what, what's going on here? And I was a little confused. So I want you to listen to this carefully and see if you can identify maybe what what perspective, what movement this could be coming from. Maybe you'll know, maybe you won't know. We'll play this, then we'll back it up, play the introduction to the program itself, then we're going to we're gonna play a little uh, we'll play a little bit of the program, we'll analyze a little bit of it. We won't do a review of the entire episode, but it's going to introduce a movement that you may be very familiar with or you may have friends or family who's being influenced by it. You may have people in your church who's being influenced by it. And typically, they won't stay in your church long after being influenced by it. They will find their way, well, to something more in line with the movement itself. All right? Okay, well... So Okay, some of you see the title, so you already know what we're talking about. Okay, I forget. Yes, depending on which app you're listening to me right now, you already know what we're talking about. So I don't know why I'm trying to build intrigue and mystery because the title gave it away. Okay, I apologize. But for, other, for the others of you maybe listening on the Sermons 2.0 app or on the Church One app, you don't have a clue. So the mystery is appropriate. For others of you... All right, who 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 want to be the first in the class with the right answer? Okay, you you know you know, but I still like trying to build a little bit of mystery and intrigue here. All right, ready? Right. So try to imagine what I was thinking at about one a.m. when I heard this.
2: Synagogues are top coronavirus hotspot list. This is a report from Israel that yes. the synagogues are the top spreaders of the coronavirus in Israel. That's not an anti-Israel report. That's a, in the Times of Israel. The They're admitting. They are admitting that the virus clusters are in the synagogues. In fact, I'll show you the next one from UPI. Chief rabbis urge Israelis to stay away from synagogues. Why well, would too? Stay out of those things. There's a plague in them. God's dealing with false religions. God's dealing with people who oppose his son Jesus Christ. He's dealing with the forces of Antichrist. And there's a plague moving upon the earth right now. And the people that are going into the synagogues are coming out of the synagogues with the virus. And it's so bad that the chief rabbis of Israel are pleading with the people to not enter the synagogues.
3: I'm so glad you can join me. I,
1: I, when I heard that, I'm like, wait, what what's going on here? Wait, what? So the the, the the this is a, a is it a judgment on false religion. Like what wait, what's going on? The synagogues are 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 where the virus is, and I'm like, what wait what podcast did I click on? Because I thought I was clicking on one podcast, and I'm like that that caught me off guard. So now I'm gonna back it up. I'm gonna back it all the way up, and this is going to give you now. I, I listen okay. Before I move forward, I look. There's one listener that anytime I play audio from this program, they will send me a message saying, I stopped listening because I hate that program and I'm not going to listen to it because they don't know what they're talking about. Okay, I understand that you disagree with the program. I don't always agree with the program. I just have a tendency to not just listen to things that I already agree with. I listen to things from all different perspectives to be challenged because if all I listen to is what I agree with, I will always think that I'm right. Okay, so, all right. So just, I always have to address that one individual because they are always like, I'm not going to listen to anything else because you played that. And it's like, I'm I, i going to play, well, stuff from everything because that's what we do. All right, so here we go. All right, now we're going to back this up. Now that may not have identified the movement. And really, in some ways it kind of goes against the, uh, well, you'll see, it will all make sense in a minute. Here we go. We're going to put this all together. Here we go.
4: So, just what is the synagogue of Satan?
0: Why are the Jewish people the most persecuted people in all of human history? People will say, well, it's because God chose them. That's not the reason why they're persecuted. They're persecuted because they're hated by Satan and by the world, by spiritual reasons. They've suffered more than any people group in recorded human history.
4: Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell. Radio for the Remnant, brought to you by Olive Tree Ministries. Today, Jan features two guests who will discuss some compelling topics. How can Christians serve a Jewish Messiah, yet curse the Jewish people? They are the key to Bible prophecy. And Jerusalem is the holy city to Jews and Christians. Here is today's programming.
1: Okay, now they're getting ready to play the clip I just played. So this is from the Understanding the Times podcast. This is the most recent episode that dropped sometime over the weekend, depending on which podcast app you have. I think it's supposed to drop around on Friday, around midnight. I think it's when it's supposed to drop. But for some weird reason, sometimes I don't get it till Saturday. Um, it just really depends. I, I mean, I could probably find it early if I checked all of the different podcast apps. So I, I keep up with it. I listen to it. It's a once a week uh, uh, podcast, so it's easy to keep up with. It's only once a week. And I always at least listen to the first 15 or 20 minutes to get an idea what they're talking about. It's a, it's a uh, podcast clearly about biblical prophecy. I don't always agree with their perspective on eschatology, but I at least always hear them out because I think it's interesting. Sometimes they have some very interesting programs. Sometimes they have some that I'm like, wait, what? I don't know if I agree with. But this one was kind of interesting because they talk about this movement that I really want to use this to introduce, but they kind of talk about other subjects that kind of go, wait, are they going with it? Are they going for it? Are they going to get it? You'll see here in just a minute. Here we go. Now we're going to play that clip again, and then they're going to come immediately in and really get into this subject and just wait for it and see if you hear the name of this movement. Here we go.
2: Synagogues, are top coronavirus hotspot list. This is a report from Israel that yes. the synagogues are the top spreaders of the coronavirus in Israel. That's not an anti-Israel report. That's a, in the times of Israel. The they're admitting. They are admitting that the virus clusters are in the synagogues. In fact, I'll show you the next one from UPI. Chief rabbis urge Israelis to stay away from synagogues. Why well, would, too? Stay out of those things. There's a plague in them. God's dealing with false religions. God.
1: Now, once again, God is dealing with false religions, So I guess anywhere, anywhere COVID shows up, that's a, that's a judgment on false religions. So if COVID shows up in your church or COVID has shown up in your church, that's a judgment on false religions because the, the COVID pandemic ended up in synagogues and was where it was clusters for the spread of, of COVID. That is proof that God is judging. Once again, I, I, I still don't understand why people think this way. Didn't we learn anything from the book of Job? Job was suffering, and everyone's like, "He's being judged by God." He's being judged by God, and reality that wasn't the case. Why is it that if sickness shows up in that church, they're being judged by God? Maybe we should just stop saying who's being judged by God. Maybe we should just stop that. Maybe, maybe we don't know. Maybe you're not. Maybe you don't get a te- do you get a a judgment alert like an Amber Alert? You know, it beeps on your phone. Beep, 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 Judgment occurring, judgment occurring. Your neighbor is being judged. Your neighbor is being judged. They have a sickness. Your neighbor is being judged. They have cancer. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, it's like, is that how it works? That you can go say, they're being judged. They're being judged. Maybe just stop that, please. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, just stop. Maybe, okay, all right. So, but, so that's, just, that's just a weird way. <laughs> like, I'm, what is going on on this on podcast? This is not—so let's just—you'll see where this goes. Here we go. He's dealing with people who oppose
2: his son, Jesus Christ. He's dealing with the forces of Antichrist. And there's a plague moving upon the earth right now. And the people that are going into the synagogues are coming out of the synagogues with the virus. And it's so bad that the chief rabbis of Israel are pleading with the people to not enter.
1: As someone in chat just said, the other implication of that is that if you go to a non-false religion church, there should be zero COVID. I guess there should be zero cancer, zero death, zero high uh, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, uh, high. Uh, there should be zero heart attacks. There should be zero everything. It's just yeah. So all right, I, I'm just a little perplexed here by like what what what's going on with this clip. All right, but we're gonna see. We're gonna see. Give me one second. I'm going to open up my iPad here and uh, open up the Spreaker app so I won't miss any comments if anyone makes them. OK, here we go. All right, But that is that is a good catch that someone made. But we're, we're waiting. We're waiting for a certain movement that's going to be talked about here. Here we go.
3: I'm so glad you can join me today on Understanding the Times Radio, and I'm looking at a different angle this week in the world of apologetics and that tease of a little soundbite. Rick Wiles, we'll say more about him throughout the hour because he represents what I would call Christian anti-Semitism, but we'll talk about that later. I think the question after that clip, are Jews really a part of the synagogue of Satan? I mean, wasn't Jesus a Jew and isn't the nation of Israel the epicenter of end-time activity? Now, let's stop
1: right here. Before we get to the movement that I really want to talk about, Christian anti-Semitism. Now... Christianity has a history of being very anti-Semitic. There there is no question about it. There has been that within church history, it has been there. Very strong anti-Semitism. I mean, if you don't believe me, you just go uh, pull up the works of Martin Luther not Martin, not the, the reformer from the 1500s, not, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther. Okay. Some people don't know church history, really don't know that the Martin Luther of the Protestant Reformation, but go read some of his writings and you'll be like, whoa, wow. That's some anti-Semitism. That's antisemitic. That, that's crazy. Now that's not necessarily the movement I'm talking about, but I I guess I've never, I know it when I was a Lutheran. I'll never forget reading. I was reading something that Luther had written and I, and I went to my Lutheran pastor. And I'm like, what in the world is this? I was like, really? Okay. Really? We get our name from this guy. Really? This, this is some messed up stuff. Okay. And that was my first time like going, Whoa, what is going on here? So, um, that that that's an interesting
3: part of this. Let's see what else they're going to talk about. Thus, shouldn't Christians rally around this group of people and their homeland? Well, there are many who actually call themselves evangelical Christians who believe differently. They are calling those who stand with Israel deceived and worse, going back to that sound clip there. And what about Gentiles who want to become Jews in what is known as the Hebrew Roots Movement?
1: There we go. Gentiles who basically want to become Jewish in what is known as the Hebrew Roots Movement. The Hebrew Roots Movement. Now, I have never given much attention to it. I really haven't. I don't think I've ever done any teaching on it. I've kind of always just felt that it was something out there on the fringe and I'm like, come on, whatever. Okay. But sometimes then people who maybe not would not even identify as being a part of the Hebrew roots movement, they may not even know what the movement is. They would start talking about something in regards to Judaism and and shouldn't we do this or shouldn't we go back to that? And I'd be like, where are you getting these ideas? Like, I'm just kind of looking at him like, what are you, we're Christians, right? Right. What are we talking about, right? You don't know the whole New Testament kind of thing. Where, where, what are you talking about? And then they're like, Oh, I saw this video on YouTube. I'll go, oh, here we go. Okay. Oh, I saw, or I heard, and I'm like, and I'll start go look. I'm like, what is going on? So I, I, I've kind of known that it's out there, but I'm just going to be honest with you. I never felt in any meaningful way that it was something significant enough. To go really like, oh, I've got to address the Hebrew Roots movement in a significant way. So when I when I got past that original, like, okay, wait, what's this clip? Wait, what's going on? When I kind of got back past the original and I'm like, oh, they're going to talk about the Hebrew Roots movement. Hey, this, I want to let everyone know that this is out there. So everyone will go listen to the episode and we will learn a little bit about it. Whether you agree with everything about understanding the times or not, if they're talking about the Hebrew Roots Movement, that's interesting. They think it's significant enough. They think it's significant enough to address it. Other podcasts have addressed it. I I don't know. I would be curious from those who listen to this podcast, have you come into contact with people a part of the Hebrew Roots Movement? It would probably be interesting to know what parts of the country— that the movement has really taken well, taken root has really planted itself and is having an influence. I just maybe maybe it's more prevalent here in West Texas, but I, I I just don't know. But it's the Hebrew Roots movement. You you may go. What is it? Well, we're gonna we're gonna listen to them talk about it. I they, I think they do a very important job here. In a minute, she's going to interview someone who starts talking about the Hebrew Roots movement. And he does a very good job making sure to, to understand that there. it's not just, when you think of the Hebrew Roots movement, there's not just like, this is what it is. There are many variations. And I like the fact that they they, they point out a lot of the different variations of it, because I think it's very important. What you want to see is kind of the basic elements of it. That's when when you detect a Christian friend or family member or someone in your church start talking you can go uh-oh uh-oh they may not be influenced by say the extreme form of the Hebrew roots movement but just a little bit of influence from it i think is 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 extremely dangerous and you you need to you need to be able to detect it going uh-oh uh-oh i hear it i hear it i hear it i hear it and you've got to say come on what are you reading what are you listening to something's going on here. Okay. Because uh, I'm starting to hear, I you, I can usually detect it really quick that it's there. But again, I, I'm always, at first I was just like, what is going on with people? Now, now I'm kind of understanding that this is out there, but again, I've not ever felt that desire to go dig into it, but uh, let's see what they have to say about it.
3: Is this biblically sound? We don't think so. And we're going to talk about that this hour as well. So I'm speaking with two representatives of Chosen People Ministries this hour, Trevor Rubenstein and Olivier Melnick. Trevor headquarters here in the Twin Cities. Olivier is headquartering in Texas. I'm going to play a number of sound bites as well.
1: Just like to say, anyone who has the first name Trevor, you just know, you know they're biblical, you know they're smart, you know they're godly, you just, you know they're basically a genius, you you know. Anyone who has the first name Trevor, it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's my first name. Yeah, okay, all right, here we go.
3: To complement our discussion, and some of them are troubling, I want to be frank. I would say they're not disturbing, but they're troubling. So just be prepared for that as I play them throughout the hour. Trevor and Olivier, welcome to Understanding the Times Radio.
0: Thanks for having us, Jan. Thank you, Jen. Good to be on your show.
3: Trevor, let me start with you. Why don't you give us sort of the Reader's Digest version? How did you, as a Jewish unbeliever, come to faith?
0: I'm from the Iron Range of Minnesota, like yourself. I was born and raised in a conservative Jewish family. When I was young, we moved to Colorado. I was a troubled kid, I had issues, I was involved with, let's say, recreational pharmaceutical test engineers, probably what I was doing most of in my high school years, unfortunately, and ended up getting kicked out of school, in which case I went to a local community college and I was tricked into a Bible study. I say this because I wouldn't have participated in one being Jewish myself and understanding it's something we can't do. In this Bible study, we read the words of Jesus for the first time, and it was also the first time I ever felt the presence of God. Really, three things became very apparent to me, one of which was everything that I was doing in my life was separating me from God. Another thing was that God was even real because I was an atheist at this Mm. point in time. And the other thing was that the only way I can come to know him is through this person, Jesus. After struggling with this for a little while, I eventually gave my life to him, at which point, Jan, he removed a lot of troubles I was having, I was suicidal. And so God really saved my life. And so for me, Jesus was the difference between life and death. And so my goal and my hope and my focus was to introduce other people to him, not
1: just- Now I'm just going to jump in because the goal here is to get to the Hebrew Roots movement. I could sit here and go, I don't like the whole... I- first time I felt the presence of God. I don't even know what that means. I gave my life. There's there's a lot of, I gave my life to him. A lot of verbiage that I could, you know, I could obviously have some issues with coming from a, a a, a very different theological perspective, obviously a very Reformed theological perspective when it comes to soteriology. So I I could have some issues there. Obviously a very non-Calvinistic perspective from which I come from. So, um, or I'm I'm sorry, not a a non-charismatic perspective from, I come from a Calvinistic perspective, a non-charismatic perspective. Yeah, really confuse everyone, okay? I'm glad I caught that. I'd go back and listen and go, what was I saying, okay? So, uh, but I just don't want to, I, this is not to turn into a full blown review where I, I analyze everything, but I just wanted to go. Yeah, I mean, I may have some issues there, but I just I want to know what they have to say about the Hebrew roots movement. But they're giving is this is the standard kind of evangelical testimony that you would hear in most evangelical churches. So you know, I it's 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 just kind of part of the
0: course. So right, here we go. Just in a physical sense, but obviously in an eternal mm. one also.
3: Of course, I wasn't raised in the Iron Range. My parents certainly were, and you and I talked this morning. I think you and I are even related. Everybody up there is related. Yeah. I mean, Bobby Dylan. I'm related to him, and he's a shirt-tail relative of mine yeah, as well. Yeah, me too. Olivier, yourself, how did you come to faith?
5: This was in the mid-'80s. I had met my American wife in California and then fell in love, and then she came to France, and she started to witness to me, and she gave me the messianic prophecies. I was born in France of a Jewish family. My parents survived the war. My mother survived the Holocaust and hid on a farm in the south of France. They lost their faith in God. So this is how I was raised up. And my wife came to me. She said, you know, she started talking to me about Jesus. And I said, I'm Jewish. You're a Gentile. Can we just agree to disagree? Mm-hmm. That just didn't work. She insisted. And eventually she gave me a book on prophecy titled The Late Great Planet Earth. By Helen Z and I read that book and I got to the place about the rapture and I got really scared and I thought, well this is kinda of stupid thing that she believes if that's true, but just in case it's true, so I asked her, said so, you really believe in that? She said, Yes, I don't have the details, but that's exactly why I don't want to marry you right now, because I don't want to be separated from you. And one thing led to another and eventually I thought that I was just procrastinating the inevitable because I had no reason not to believe. I had not been raised religious. I was a secular Jew. So I thought, this makes sense. And all those prophecies that I read in that little book, all of them were fulfilled literally in the first coming. And he was saying at the second coming, they will all be fulfilled literally. Why would we believe any otherwise? So that's what convinced me. So in the summer of 83,
1: I gave my life to the Lord.
3: Wonderful. Those are faith-building stories. And I was in Jewish evangelism directly as well for many years. And Just make sure we
1: understand salvation doesn't occur because you present compelling arguments and people's like, oh, those arguments make sense. Salvation occurs because you present the gospel and God through the work of the Holy Spirit and the word preached effectually calls a person and regenerates them and brings them to faith and salvation, okay? Just just I have to throw in the reform perspective, which is very different, okay? But I
3: just just have to throw that in there. All right, here we go. Encouraged by hearing how you gentlemen came to faith, I kind of want to start our discussion out, and I don't want to protract this a great deal, but I think we need to spend a few minutes on it. I want to read an email, and then I want to play a sound bite, and then I want to discuss it. The email will explain where we're going. I'm not going to give the gal's name. She hasn't given me permission. She just says this about her sister and herself as well. They have always had the mentality of to the Jew first, and they love Israel that they are Gentile. And she says, my sister has been struggling this past year with different aspects of what should she be doing in her walk with the Lord, concerning at what level does she need to be participating in her walk as if she were Jewish? Now she's not, okay? She continues, she observes Shabbat and serves dinner with all of the appropriate accoutrements She recently read some article that if a Christian does not follow all the laws in the Torah and keep all the feasts, that they will not have salvation. She says, I told her Paul had that discussion with the other disciples and asked, why would we put the Gentiles under the same bondage we were just freed from? The email goes on, but you can understand here's one sister who's not into Hebrew roots, so concerned about the other sister who is into Hebrew roots, let me play a quick soundbite it's apologist mike winger and i was intrigued he does youtube question and answers one of the top questions he gets is what is this hebrew
4: roots you asked for me to look into the hebrews roots movement right there i actually asked you guys last year towards the end of the year what was one topic you wanted me to cover wanted me to talk about wanted me to spend some time researching and this is the thing that got the most votes from you your votes to say "Hey." Put this on the top of your list, Mike. And so I have. I've put it on the top of my list and I'm ready to actually talk about it now. At least this will be the first video. I'll probably do one or two more on this topic because I think it just has to be done. There's so much to talk about. So in short, what is the Hebrew root Movement. What am I talking about? What is this about today? The Hebrew Roots movement is a growing movement of people, generally speaking, not Jewish people. So I say Hebrew Roots, it's not about Jewish people here. They're mostly Gentile believers who are many of them, most of them believe in Jesus, who think that they should obey the law of Moses. If there's one theme that goes through the entire Hebrew Roots movement, it's you should obey the law of Moses to the best of your ability. Now, some of them are Christians. Who think that it's a good idea and it's desired. God simply wants us to obey the law of Moses and they might call themselves Hebrew roots, or they might use the term messianic, or they have lots of different terminologies they use. I don't think it's important to memorize those right now. That's one group. It's just desired. Another group within the group says it's necessary for salvation. Like if you don't do this, you will not be saved. Okay. That's a group within the group. They think it's necessary for salvation. Then there's another group And not only do they think it's necessary, they reject the Apostle Paul and anything he wrote in the New Testament, they consider it not scripture. So they chuck the majority of the letters of the New Testament. Then within that group, there's also another group that is those who actually reject Jesus himself. This is not monolithic. I can't say this is Hebrew roots and just give it one label because within the big broad spectrum, there's this sort of disorganized developing group where there's some who are believers who think they should obey the law of Moses and others who are apostate. They're not Christians. They reject Jesus Christ. So this is difficult to talk about because I can't just say Hebrew Roots is this because those within the movement will not agree with me. So I'm going to take the one commonality of the entire Hebrew Roots movement and the commonality is the idea that we ought to obey the law of Moses. Some will say it's more than ought, but they will all agree
1: that you should obey the law of Moses as a believer in God today. Olivier. All right. Now we'll jump in right there. I like the fact that they, this person acknowledges it's not monolithic. It's not just one. There's these r- wide range of opinions. And, but I, I would, obviously they reject Jesus, their apostate. If they reject Paul, I mean, you're going to have to say that's apostate. I don't know how you can you can ha- maintain any form of biblical Christianity and throw out the Apostle Paul. I mean, that would be that would be. I mean, I think you're definitely you're you're entering into the realm of apostasy. So there's two parts, there's two branches of the Hebrew roots movement that I I think you just have to completely claim, man, that's that's absolutely apostate. And if and really if you say you you have to keep the law of Moses in order to be saved that's apostate. So really, you have three branches of it that's apostate, and only the one would be a Christian who thinks, well, we we should keep the law of Moses. That's that's a little bit different, Um, but uh, there is some serious issues uh, going right there with that. Now, we're going to play a little bit more of what they have to say. I'm going to save most of it for you to go listen to because they have a lot of interesting discussions, but I'm just going to read from a I Got Questions article, because they're always the easiest one to pull up, but just so that you get a basic idea. What is the Hebrew Roots Movement? The premise of the Hebrew Roots Movement is the belief that the church has veered far from the, two, from the true teachings and Hebrew concepts of the Bible. The movement maintains that Christianity has been indoctrinated with the culture and beliefs of Greek and Roman philosophy, and that ultimately, biblical Christianity, uh, and ultimately, biblical Christianity. Uh, let me read this again. The movement maintains that Christianity has been indoctrinated with the culture and beliefs of Greek and Roman philosophy, and that ultimately. And, ulti- and that ultimately, biblical Christianity taught in churches today has been corrupted with a pagan imitation of the New Testament gospels. So, right here, right—I mean, right from the very kind of be, uh, the very. Uh, foundational level of the Hebrew Roots Movement, you're basically saying that what's being taught in churches today is completely corrupted and is a pagan imitation of the New Testament, uh, is a pagan imitation of the New Testament Gospels. That, that the churches today... Are are become corrupt and pagan. And we've got, so we can't stay in there. We've got to go form these little groups of Hebrew roots movement, uh, whatever we're going to reference ourselves as, because we're going, well, we've got to figure it out. We've got to restore it. We're going to go back to what it's originally supposed to be and how it's originally supposed to look like and what it's originally supposed to teach. I think that that's that's very important to understand, which is, you can see, why it would make it extremely dangerous. This article goes on to say, "...those of the Hebrew uh, roots belief hold to the teaching that Christ's death on the cross did not end the Mosaic Covenant, but instead renewed it, expanded its message, and wrote it on the hearts of his true followers." They teach that the understanding of the New Testament can only come from a Hebrew perspective and that the teaching of the Apostle Paul are not understood clearly or taught correctly by Christian pastors today. Many affirm the existence of an original Hebrew language New Testament, and in some cases, they basically denigrate the existing New Testament written in Greek. This becomes a subtle attack on the reliability of the text of our Bible. If the Greek text is unreliable and has been corrupted, as is charged by some, the church no longer has a standard of truth. Although there are many different and diverse Hebrew root assemblies with variations in their teachings, they all adhere to a common emphasis on recovering the original Jewishness of Christianity. Their assumption is that the church has lost its Jewish roots and is unaware that Jesus and his disciples were Jews living in obedience to the Torah. For the most part, those involved advocate the need for every believer to walk a Torah-observant life. This means that the ordinances of the Mosaic Covenant must be a central focus in the lifestyle of believers today as it was with the Old Testament Jews of Israel keeping the Torah includes keeping the Sabbath on the 7th day of the week Saturday celebrating the Jewish feast and festivals keeping the dietary laws avoiding the paganism of Christianity Christmas Easter etc and learning to understand the scriptures from a Hebrew mindset They teach that Gentile Christians have been grafted into Israel, and this is one reason every born-again believer in Jesus the Messiah is to participate in these observances. It is expressed that doing this is, is not required out of legalistic bondage, but out of a heart of love and obedience. However, they teach that to live a life that pleases God, this Torah observant walk must be a part of that life. All right? Now... There's so many issues with it all, but the main thing is, they're basically saying, you can't trust the Greek New Testament. Basically, you, you can't interpret Paul the way, well, the church has basically interpreted Paul for 2,000 years, so everybody's got it wrong, and once again, they've got it figured out, and this went more fracturing within the body of Christ, more apostasy and false teaching, and it becomes extremely influential because people hear some of this stuff and go, well, Jesus was Jewish. And yes, uh, Judaism was was a a key element. And you also have to remember that Judaism was basically wiped off the face of the earth in 70 AD, right? It was gone. It was no more. So, um, because, well, something better was going to replace it. And that was Jesus and the Gospels. Okay, and we could go all the way through, but let's see what they have to say about it.
3: Nick, you've been in Jewish evangelism a good number of years. We all know Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Help us understand the thinking of those in this movement.
5: I like what this gentleman was saying, that it's not monolithic. Yes, I think it's important to understand that, because once you understand that, it helps you not paint with broad strokes. There's a lot of people that I meet in all the places that I speak at in the U.S., they come to me and they tell me either, what do you think of or I'm part of and I like it. Should I do this? Should I do that? So some people are part of the Hebrew Roots movement because they just want to discover more about the Jewish perspective. And But some people are pushing something that I think is not biblical. When somebody says we have to be under the Mosaic law, I think they basically don't understand what grace is all mm. about. Now... I love to celebrate Passover, but I don't do Passover because I'm under the law and I'm supposed to. I couldn't do it according to the law because we don't have a temple to do sacrifices. But I do it because it points to something that Jesus did and there's a connection, typologically speaking or prophetically speaking. So there's nothing wrong with doing some Jewish things. But if it becomes... Overboard, And plus, if they say you have to keep the Mosaic Law, there's many of the 613 commandments that you cannot keep. Right. So my first question is, which one do you keep? Which one do you not keep? Is it OK to pick and choose?
1: That's the whole thing. When people in any way, shape or form want to return to the Mosaic Law, you can't keep it. Like It's just plain and simple. You can't keep it because you don't have the temple and you don't have a high priest. You don't have the very things that are required. It was destroyed in 70 AD. The Jewish era ended in 70 AD. It came to an end. Judaism today is simply a... Shell of itself, it's a shadow of itself. The the true, the essence of true Judaism was eradicated. It was gone. They don't have genealogical records to know which tribe they're a part of. The tr- the whole tribe division is gone. There's no high priest. There's no sacrificial system. There's there's nothing. You don't have the 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 proper things that belong with inside the temple. Everything is gone. So what's the point of returning to anything? Like and and why why to even return to anything that's simply a shadow of what was fulfilled in Christ? I don't even understand celebrating Passover. If Passover pointed to Christ, then why go why go celebrate that which pointed to Christ? Celebrate Christ. Wasn't it the Passover meal that Christ instituted the Lord's Supper? So why would we go to Passover? We would celebrate the Lord's Supper, which therefore we then remember the death of our Passover lamb. The way we celebrate our Passover lamb being sacrificed and killed is the Lord's Supper. Like the, the Passover there was to, to celebrate and remember their deliverance from Egypt. I'm not re- celebrating my deliverance from Egypt because I was never in Egypt, Okay. I'm pointing to Christ who died for me. So I, I the whole idea that I got to go back somehow to Judaism, go back to Judaism. The book of Hebrews is the whole, it's going away, guys. It's over. It's done. It's finished. If you keep clinging to that, you're not going to have a sacrifice for your sins. You're not going to have anything. That's why the book of Hebrews has to be interpreted in light of 70 AD and the destruction of all of it. The temple, gone, but there's something better. Your sacrifices are gone, there's something better. Your high priest is gone, there's something better. And that better is Jesus Christ. That's where we turn to. And the Judaizers and those who try to get the Gentiles to go back to Judaism are explicitly condemned in the New Testament, like in the book of Galatians. That's that's not even, they're, they're, they have a false gospel. It's not even a true gospel. And anyone who brings a false gospel, he is anathema. So I, it... It's just bizarre that this could be influential. And I'm just baffled that the little clip from YouTube they played, that's the number one question he receives. That, that I don't know when that video was made, but if that video was made recently, that, that's, that's, that's something maybe we need to pay attention to. Let's listen to just a little bit more.
3: Trevor Rubenstein, it is good to emphasize that Christianity is Jewish. I think it's good to emphasize that Christians observe, honor some of the feasts of the Lord, Passover, and some of the others. I think all that's fine. But some of these folks are going too far, correct?
0: Jan, I think that it can most clearly be understood through the story that we see in the Scriptures of the serpent standard. Kind of a fascinating thing to go through. But in Numbers chapter 21, the people of Israel are complaining to Moses, and God sends fiery serpents that start biting the people of Israel. So God tells the people of Israel to take a bronze serpent and to put it on a pole, and then whoever looks on it won't perish. Interestingly, that you have to consider is how is this not idolatry? And eventually it becomes idolatry. In 2 Kings chapter 18, at the very beginning, it states that Hezekiah had to destroy the bronze serpent because the people were worshiping it. And there's actually a third mention of the bronze serpent. It's in John 3.14. It says, For just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So much like the Hebrew Scriptures, the bronze serpent all points to Jesus. It did from the beginning. The serpent, a symbol of sin, put on a pole possibly showing judgment to sin, the end to sin. It always pointed to Jesus. So as long as those things are focused on Jesus in themselves, it can be healthy. The problem becomes when the item that was intended to point to him becomes the focus opposed to the Lord himself. Exactly. So don't go back to the thing that pointed to Jesus.
1: Jesus has come. Jesus, the incarnation, has occurred. His life has occurred. His death, burial, resurrection, and ascension has occurred. Don't go back to the shadow Look at the fulfillment. Look at the actual, the actual thing. Look at that. Look at what is tangible. What he did. Now we go back and we study the shadows as they are mentioned in the Old Testament. But we don't need to go back. Now we may want to. We may want to. Understand what it looked like. What, what did Passover look like at that time? We we, we want to get a visi- visible, visible, a, a visual representation of what it was like to get us a better understanding of the picture or of the of the of what it was the shadow of the, the, you know what it was pointing to. But the, the when when you keep going back to that and going back to that and going back to that, you're making you're ma- basically you're taking the shadow and making it an idol, and it, you become guilty of idolatry. Because you're you're going to something other than you're you're departing, you're departing the reality for the picture. You're 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 leaving the tangible for the shadow. You're like, here's what's tangible. I'm just going to go back to the shadow. I'm going to go cling to the shadow. Why would you go back to the shadow? Go to the actual thing, which is Christ and Him crucified.
0: And this is a real issue. And sometimes, Jan, when this happens, it becomes incredibly detrimental, as the individual was stating. There are Gentiles that are converting to Judaism in large numbers. In my last communication with a local Orthodox rabbi, he said they can't even handle the amount of Gentile converts because they're becoming so enamored with the Mosaic Covenant. Where the Mosaic Covenant is beautiful, wonderful, of course, as Paul says, it's a good thing. The problem is when that's the focus as opposed to whom it was always intended to point to, Jesus, the Word of God brought to light.
1: You're listening to That's crazy. If that is true, that so many Gentiles are converting to Judaism, I don't know exactly which region he's referring to, that they're overwhelmed... Like, what is happening? Church attendance is dropping all across the country, but Gentiles are converting to Judaism in large numbers. I I cannot confirm that report. I don't know if that's anecdotal or if there's some hardcore study on that, but that is very fascinating. And I will say that everything, under the, the Mosaic Covenant, the Mosaic everything, yeah, it may be beautiful, I guess, but remember, the law condemns. The law condemns. The law reveals our sin and it condemns. It's beautiful because it drives me to Jesus, but I don't want to go back to that which is only going to condemn me and leave me to guilt. I need that which came to deliver me from the guilt of that law. But there you have it I just wanted to introduce this tonight this took longer than I thought but I wanted to introduce you to that episode it's called understanding the podcast is understanding the times that is the newest episode of that podcast it'll be easy for you to find anywhere if you can't find it let me know um, I'll try to post the link to it in the discord channel and under the podcast uh, channel so that people can hear it I'll try to get to that tonight or tomorrow um, but at least listen to the rest of it. We stopped at the 14 minute and seven second mark, 14 minutes and seven seconds. You've got another 42 minutes and 54 seconds of it. You'll definitely want to go listen to it for yourself. I'm not telling you to agree with everything, but we need to be aware of the Hebrew Roots Movement. We need to know that it's there. And uh, someone said, very educational, very interesting. I, I hope so. Um, I Again, I've... I've always kind of shrugged my shoulder. I'm like, who, I guess in my mind, who in their right mind is going to read the New Testament and go, you know what? I'm going to basically abandon the teaching of the New Testament and I'm going to run back to the Old Testament and I'm going to become a Jew. I don't know who, I don't, to me, that's one of those, look, there's some movements that I can go, okay, I can can see that. The Hebrew Roots Movement, I'm like, what? What? Why? Why? Why would you want to go back to that? The whole reason the new came is because the old, in a sense, was insufficient. It could not do what there, there was. Some, that's why the new came, right? Uh, like, read Hebrews, read Galatians. So, I, I'm just, I'm like, who would want to go back? Who would want to go back to that bondage, to that law when you have grace and you have Christ? So, I kind of always shrug my shoulders, like, what are you, what do you, what? And just like I've got other things to worry about, maybe that was I was. Look, when I when I when I feel like I've got good insight to where the church is going or or, or something that's important, look, I'll point that out when I think that I'm right. This one, if if this is true, that this is the number one question that someone is getting on YouTube, and this is like Gentiles are converting to Judaism in large numbers. I missed this. I didn't see the danger here. I didn't perceive it. I was just like, well, what are you? Stop watching YouTube videos and read your Bible. That was pretty much the way I was like, what? What are you talking about? No, no, we don't go back to Judaism. Did you read? Did you not see? What? So um, I, I just kind of blew it off and just kind of like, what are you talking about? And I, it, it appears I may have been really foolish to do that and did not catch the significance here. So I don't know if, you, if you're encountering this anywhere, but if you are, I, I I now I have received number of times, usually it's which is weird, Pandora. Um, I've had more listeners who hear heard us on Pandora who have said, you know, we we basically need to go back and follow the Sabbath rules. We need to go back to the Sabbath rules. So the very Sabbath, pro-Sabbath people p- p- going back to the Jewish Sabbath, worshiping on Saturday most of the people who have contacted me that to argue that point of view or promote that point of view have been listeners on Pandora. Isn't that weird? It's just weird to me. It, it, it's, I, I don't know why Pandora. So, but I, I nowhere else do I really get any questions in regards to that. Uh, but I, is that a part of this? Maybe I don't, I, I always just assumed that there were seventh day Adventists. Now, clearly in some cases they were, but, um, I, I was like, "Oh, Seventh Day Adventist." I wonder if it's Hebrew roots. Don't know. I don't know. It's kind of a weird situation, but it's a serious situation because literally, to me, they're moving right towards the Galatians anathema. I, and I'll just end with reading it. I'll just end with reading it. I have it. Uh... Let's see, do I have? Where's my other? Oh, here's my other Bible. Okay. Like, where's my Bibles? I got I got books all over the place here. Okay, I'm I see here. Let's just go. Let's go to. This is a newer Bible, so finding things. Like they moved the book. Okay, let's go to Galatians chapter one, verse six. This is a somber warning. Gal- Galatians chapter one, verse six. I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there, there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him or he is anathema. And as we've said before, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you receive, a curse be on him or he is anathema. They are damned. That's how serious the issue is. And we need to take it serious. All right, go find Understanding the Times. Find it on your uh, favorite podcast app. Listen to the last 42 minutes and... Um, if you are a part of the Discord channel, share your thoughts about the episode and let us know. And we'll, we'll talk about this soon. And I'll be back tomorrow um, doing more live broadcast uh, on Memorial Day. I'll definitely make the most of it. And uh, we'll see how things, I think maybe, I don't know. We may have, we may have kind of a, a mini marathon coming up soon. Um, maybe Friday. I don't know. We'll have to see. I got some, I got a lot of catching up to do on on episodes that we need to, or uh, in series that we need to finish. So I'm going to try to find some time to really do a lot of extra things. Maybe we'll do some special things as well. We'll see. Well, just stay tuned this week and we'll see how things, what what we do. And we got a new, uh, a new Bible study exercise getting ready to start. So we're going to start introducing that this week as well. So, all right, everyone have a great night. God bless.